Welcome to Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth and guest co-host Dr. Erica Way is in studio with myself and Mickey Willis, who is a father and filmmaker and has created the Plandemic series one, two, and three, and is in studio with us talking about what it means to be sovereign mentally physically, emotionally, and spiritually, as well as how we need community and healthy connections and an element of grit for the times before us. It's a lovely conversation about freedom, family, and leading by example and taking a sense of responsibility for self and bringing it to the community where we can move out of resentment and bitterness in relationships and into love and unity through truth and a common goal of desire to be in community. We invite you into the conversation today to come with curiosity, an open mind and heart, and some wonderment around your own pathway of becoming free and sovereign mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, and what that looks like for you as we all shine brighter together. Would you like to create more freedom in your life? Developing higher consciousness and sovereignty is the currency for that freedom. Transformation expert Nancy Claremont Cart with the Joy Effect empowers leaders to transform their lives and impact using conscious leadership principles. Nancy is offering a transformational eight week group coaching program, Conscious Leadership Transforms, starting October 24th to help leaders create more joy, abundance, and freedom. Register now at nancyclaremontcart.com. At some point, we've probably all felt a little stuck in a rut when it comes to our health whether it's something physical, digestive, or emotional. This is Dr. Erica Way with Beyond Chiropractic. I'm a holistic practitioner that will take the time to help you transform so you can manifest your optimal life. Don't let unresolved issues hold you back. Come to Beyond Chiropractic in Oakdale and discover the answers your health deserves. Book an appointment today at beyondchiropractic.com. Welcome to Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth, and we have guest co-host Dr. Erica Way in studio with us as we have the delightful opportunity to speak with Mickey Willis, a father and a filmmaker, and a voice of bravery and truth in the last many years. So welcome, Mickey. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you both for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, Mickey, you've had quite the journey on sovereignty, I would say, and I'm just wondering if you could share a little bit about your experience and how you've come into the work you do now and share that with our listeners. Sure. So what most people know me um, from is my work with the Plandemic movie series. Mm -hmm. So I have directed three movies under the Plandemic brand, 
Pandemic 1, Pandemic 2, Indoctrination, and their most recent was Pandemic 3, The Great Awakening. And um, Pandemic 1 was, was released uh, May 4th of 2020, shortly after the pandemic was announced. And um, people often ask me, how did you release a film so quickly, knowing that that film must have started uh, the moment the pandemic was announced, which it was. Yeah. And how did I know to predict what was coming? And the answer is really easy. And that is, I have a history, my family has a history uh, with Anthony Fauci. Um, the short story of that is my brother had AIDS and Anthony Fauci was overseeing the AIDS epidemic in the 80s and 90s prescribed a miracle cure called AZT, which we now know, looking back in retrospect, that it killed, on record, there are hundreds of thousands, but it's in, in the millions um, that weren't recorded. And my brother was one of them. And uh, the, the guilt and um, really the remorse of being the one to keep my brother on that drug, even after she was warned, my mother, was left with that horrible responsibility, which so many people are dealing with a similar thing today, mm -hmm. of you know being forced to listen to the silent to the science, even though so many people are saying the science is flawed and something's wrong. And my mother was told that <clears throat> you know if you uh, one side was saying if you take him off the medicine, your your son will die, and then my brother's community was saying it's the medicine that's going to kill him. Um, be aware. And she chose to follow the science and Anthony Fauci. Mm -hmm. And my brother died. And the guilt of that was so such a burden on my mother that she allowed her cancer that she had been fighting for a number of years and would have would have survived um, to a ripe old age. Um, she ended up dying 34 days later after my brother was buried. And so um, when I saw Anthony Fauci at the helm of the COVID-19 response, Hmm. It was shocking mm -hmm. to see his face again, to think that he was still in business, knowing what he'd, he'd done in the 80s and 90s. And beyond that, he's, he's botched a, a few outbreaks uh, in a very horrible way mm -hmm. that have resulted in, in great harm to people, death, paralyzation, sterilization. And so the fact that he was still there had me realize to an even deeper level that our medical industry is terribly incompetent and corrupt. Mm -hmm. And so I knew something bad was coming. I knew that it wasn't a um, legitimate um, uh, pandemic, that mm -hmm. something was being ramped up and exaggerated for political gain, for power, for control over the people. I could see it coming. So I reached out to really the only scientist I knew at that time that had worked with Anthony Fauci, and that was Dr. Judy Michaelvitz. Mm -hmm. And just to get clear on what was happening, I requested a meeting with her and sat down with her, and about 20 minutes into the meeting, what she was saying was so incredible, and it resonated with me. Mm -hmm. I, could, I could feel that she's a very honest woman, mm -hmm. and I could just feel that it was accurate. And so I asked her to come to my studio and sit down and do a long-form interview, and that I would pay for it out of pocket and, and, and put it out there as just maybe a little podcast and hopefully, um, you know, give people at least another view of the situation so they could make their own informed decision on what they wanted to do with their lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, to our utter shock, that movie became uh, the most seen independent movie in history, <laughs> with well over one billion views. And um, 
And so that's that's what's really um, kind of put me in, onto the main stage uh, in the past few years. It was brilliant and brave. And um, I think often the bravery and authenticity comes from having to diverse our own healing journeys. Um, and so, you know, what the loss of your brother and the loss of your mother, um, is that some of where your deep bravery comes from? Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. losing my mom was my, my greatest fear. And, uh, I was raised by a single mom on welfare. She had four kids on her own. Her husband had died. And, uh, I was a mama's boy. Hmm. You know, she was just a, she was the mom. She was the mom of all the kids in the neighborhood. She was the one they, all the kids called mom and she was incredible. And you know, the, she was really my rock in a, I was, I, I came 14 or 13 or so years after my siblings. So when I came in, there were, there was a, let me see, 12 years later, there was a 12 year old, a, a 14 year old and a 15 year old. And so I was an unexpected birth. Hmm. And, um, and as a result of that, um, other members of my family that kind of from the old country um, just saw me as the bastard child. Mm-hmm. And so my grandmother was very indifferent to me, and I felt the I felt the imbalance in treatment um, myself compared to my cousins and other kids in my family because I was the one that was not expected and you know unwanted to that degree. Um, this is not a sad story, believe me. Um, I don't I don't cry victim for anything because it's it made me who I am, and I'm I feel very blessed that my life um, I had the start that I had as challenging as it was. It's it gave me the character that I needed. To do the work that I'm doing today, so none of this is a sad story. Um, and um, but feeling that indifference had me really, uh, you know, needing my mother as a security because she's the one in the family that really accepted me. My brothers and sisters did too. Also, I had I had great uh, great brother and two wonderful sisters. And um, but I just felt very disconnected from the rest of the family because I was treated differently. And so, you know, that kind of developed this, this real uh, attachment to mom at a very young age. And um, she's the one that I got the unconditional love from. And so, you know, to answer your question, the, the, the thought of losing her was like kind of losing my world. Mm-hmm. And so it was, I, I was in my early, tw- early 20s when she died. And the, I always say the two greatest gifts my mom ever gave me was my birth and her death. Mm-hmm. Because dealing with that at a young age really left me in a place of like, wow, I've, okay, as painful as that was, I've already dealt with my greatest fear. Mm-hmm. So everything else, it just felt like, just bring it. You know, I can, I can take it. If that, if that thing's out of the way, then um, wh- what, else, what else can stop me? And so I'm really grateful for that in the end. That's lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, go ahead. Um, I think you talk to such resilience and um, that facing our greatest fears seems to bring people into a place of inner and outer sovereignty. And I witness that in you. As people look at sovereignty in today's landscape, do you have a message for them or 
an invitation. Do everything to get sovereign is the message because at the core of these agendas that are being operated and spread through our societies by a very small group of people that I believe are ultimately dealing with unhealed trauma, probably from their childhood, or they wouldn't be able to do the harm they're doing to humanity that they're doing. 100%. Is, you know, their goal is what is called globalization, which is centralization. And so it's centralization of power, which means in the, in the Great Awakening, we talk a lot about um, collectivism. And mm-hmm. it's this collectivism is, is kind of a tribal way of being. It's a group think. It is a hive mentality. And this is what has been required to capture large populations of people forever. This is how they got 1.4 billion people in China to succumb to the will of a small collective of people that called themselves the Chinese Communist Party to where now a lot of Chinese people live in pretty much an open air prison where they're surveyed. There's multiple cameras per per person and uh, their neighbors snitch on them and they have to be, they have social credit scores. If they jaywalk or accidentally drop a piece of trash and someone's watching or a camera's watch, watching, their social credit score gets docked. And just like we have financial credit scores, that social credit score will stop them from eating at certain restaurants sleeping at hotels, buying a home, renting a home. So it's total control of the citizens that if they want to live a decent life, they have to obey. And so that is the game that is trying to be brought to America, total control of it, or over its citizens. And the reason most that it's ramping up so rapidly right now is that we're reaching the age of automation. And if we can embrace, embrace the harsh fact that the slave master mentality has been happening since the cradle of civilization Mm -hmm. and it's never ended we just need to start there it's never ended they've just they've just shifted the game yep and uh there's still a small group of elite just like back in the day when the you know the pyramids needed to be built and and a small group of kings and queens and pharaohs or whatever you want to call them had control over thousands of behemoth slaves that were moving boulders all day. You have to ask yourself, without the technologies, without the surveillance that we have today, how did they, how did a small group of maybe 20, maybe at the most 100 of these elite figures control thousands of slaves that could have overpowered them easily? How did they control them psychologically, mentally? Mm-hmm. And so the first thing we have to do is get free mentally because we haven't been. We've been wired to believe that we are, even though we won't call ourselves this, there's a peasant mentality. There's a we, we, we the people are just the people. And then we have these elected chosen ones that we're waiting for to do something good and help us get out of the, the mess that we're in. And that'll never happen. And so to be sovereign means first you know, sovereign of mind and thought so we can think for ourselves because the game is to really have us think as a collective, which is why we see so many people right now. In my former party, I was born in California, and so I was born on, onto the left. And I um, eventually went far left 
and I was pretty radical. And I can tell you that from being part of that collective, um, there is no individual thought. You're incentivized to be bonded by agreement. So you agree with everybody. You look around and you say, what does everyone agree with? Okay. Um, transgenderism. Okay. Um, I can, I can, I can get with that everyone can dress however they want to dress and behave how they want to behave. I have no problem. Go, go for it. Okay. Now we want to have biological women competing in combat sports when we just saw one get her skull crushed by a bio biological man. I don't know that I'm okay with that. Uh oh, you have to check all the boxes or you're out, right? So it's, it's this real strict, um, line of agreements that you have to make with your collective. And so you have to, you can't think critically because then you start to fall out of agreement. And so you just go, okay, well, you look around, what are they chanting? What are they saying? What, what is the agreement of my, of my tribe? Okay. I agree with that too. And the moment you start to surrender your sovereignty of mind, um, that's when the trouble begins because now you can be led to do horrible things against people that you'd never thought you might be, a, you might be capable of. Um, but you find yourself doing it. Look how many, um, good people we have out there right now wanting, you know, anti-vaxxers to be imprisoned, shut out of their jobs, out of their lives. And, and for simply thinking for themselves, for saying, let me just wait to see if this is safe, truly safe and effective before I put this into my bloodstream. Pretty reasonable. Mm -hmm. But there are people out there that want those people totally condemned and shut out of society. And that's how it starts, by lack of sovereignty of, of our own critical thinking ability. Um, and then uh, on the more macro, becoming sovereign in every way is important right now. So I mean, the, in the physical ways of understanding, people are starting to understand we're on the verge of food insecurity and, and, and power insecurity. And so can we generate our own power? Can, can we move into a, a way of living where we're closer to homesteading, getting back to the basics where we're getting our hands in the soil and we're growing our own food and we're educating our children. Above all, my, my wife and I started a homeschool co-op here and we're now developing a new curriculum that we're, that we're going to share with parents around the world Oh, cool! because that is one of the most critical, urgent things we can do right now for those of us who do have children, particularly small children like I have. I have a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old is to first understand, educate yourself what's happening in the schools. Mm -hmm. They're being infiltrated mm -hmm. by people with ideologies that are so conditioned and hypnotized that they actually believe that if a parent doesn't allow their nine-year-old to take hormone blockers, they're, they're passing laws and they've passed them in other states within, within um, our nation already, and they're mm -hmm. working on passing more where they can then take those ch children away from their parents. And like they do in Washington state, they don't have to tell the parents where the child is. It's total kidnapping. Hmm. So these things are happening right now in the land of the free. And so we need to take note of what's really happening. Those people think they're doing something good. They think they're protecting the child and they've been lied to. And, um, and that, is, that couldn't happen to them if they had sovereignty of their own um, mind. They would understand how absurd that is, that they would, that they're, could, that the state could better raise the children than the parents. Mm -hmm. And that's communism. That's, that's how Mao Zedong in the 60s um, uh, got the children to separate from their parents, to turn their parents in, to celebrate when their parents were tortured and even executed. You know, this is how far off the, uh, the mind can go once it loses its own sovereignty. 
but then the, the the freedom of living, you know, just the, the ability to to move in the opposite direction of globalism, which is um, decentralization, which is becoming sovereign, having uh, everything in our life, you know, we're on a nation national level where we're not dependent on uh, oil from other nations and our trade and our and our precious resources from other nations. Sovereignty is the solution to um, to the heinous crimes against humanity that are taking place right now. Well, and I can, uh, in your description of, uh, or the answer to that question, just hear how childhood traumas of rejection and abandonment, you know, people can say in their own mind that, oh, my parents did the best they could, but they don't realize that you're not talking to the three-year-old or the four-year-old that experienced that trauma. You're trying to circumvent that with the adult a fully formed frontal lobe. And so that that fear of uh, not belonging, right, that bonded by agreement is just that huge hurdle. And if if we could overcome, and I think truth and love are the answer, but if we could say um, the um, growth happens at the edge of your comfort zone and let's get uncomfortable and let's share because there's only one mind, you can call it whatever you want, but there's that divine love um, and how can we become sovereign as a whole community and world under that umbrella? Yeah, well said. Um, love has been branded as this soft and fluffy thing, and it can mm -mm. be, but love is fierce. Mm -hmm. There is no sword sharper than love. Agreed. So when I talk about love, I talk about an energy that has us blast out of our comfort zone because it is comfort and convenience that's killing us. I want people to hear that. We have been lulled into this um, kind of passive way of thinking that that easier is better, that you know, just convenient food. And that food is killing us now. Food is one of the number one killers of the human body right now. Food, the thing that we need. Food is actually consciousness too. So yeah. it supports our level of sovereignty and consciousness. Yeah, so what the happens ingredients when we're we put in. <laughs> what happens when we're eating synthetic, right. fake stuff that isn't even food? So Correct. That's, that's what we're feeding our bodies with. And because it's so convenient, though, we don't have time and... You know, and, and that's how the societies are set up. It's it's set up. It's not just laziness. It's that we've so many people have been trapped in this maze that people don't have the time really to cook their own food, to sit down with their families. And that's all by design. They, they, you know, these these forces want us so busy and just at the edge of survival so that we just get the necessities paid, our cell bill, our, our car payment, our rent, or our mortgage, whatever it might be. We're just on the edge of that, that we don't really have the luxury of taking the time to grow our own food, to cook our own food, to make sure that what we're feeding ourselves is healthy to begin with. And so, you know, all of that really is uh, that comfort it, that you mentioned it, and convenience is is critical because the real work, I mean, think about anything that, that we've done in our lives that really matters, the stuff that we look back on and we say, this was an accomplishment. 
it's never easy. It's like I climbed, you know, Mount Everest. <laughs> Was that easy? No. These are the things that we remember that we have accomplished in our lives. You know, we, we had children. You gave birth. Is that easy? Tell me, ladies. I, I did <laughs> um, not want to do it. I did it. it four times, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so these are the greatest accomplish, accomplishments mm -hmm. we've ever been able to have the privilege of producing in this lifetime. And they're always the ones that come with some effort, sometimes, sometimes intense pain and uh, pushing the body to the limits mm -hmm. and and that's when growth happens that's when i the the kids that we're in this homeschool co-op with we we started this little course that was happening on mondays and we called it grit training mm. we wanted the kids to have grit yeah and uh, there was this father one of the fathers is as gritty as it comes He's, he was a firefighter and a weapons trainer and and just a, a super gritty guy and so he started teaching the kids and he was wonderful but I start hearing these complaints. My boys would come home. My boys are pretty gritty, but they, 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 they would tell me, you know, oh, people, you know, their kids don't like the Mondays. They want to skip Mondays. Why is that? It's just too hard. Then I had another parent call me and start to complain and say, I don't know that my daughter needs grit training. I said, really? Interesting. Um, I said, this is, I think everyone needs grit training for the world that those kids are inheriting. Agreed. And, 100%. and so long story short, I went over to visit the kids because all these complaints were happening. And I, um, I lined the kids up and there's a little gravel patch and I, and I drew a circle around me. And, I, and, um, and, then, I, and then I asked them, I said, what, if, who, those of you who know, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, what's one of your dreams? It can change, so it doesn't have to be the thing, but just pick one. And some would say a doctor, and some would say an astronaut, and some would say a video game designer. And I drew other little circles outside of this circle. And I said, every morning, this is, I said, this circle around me is my comfort zone. This is your comfort zone. I said, and every Monday, and I drew another circle just outside that circle. And I, and I said, next Monday, and the circle kept getting bigger. And I said, every single Monday, your circle is expanding. And I said, oh, look at this. Pretty soon, it includes being a, being a, being a video game designer, being that doctor you want to be. Your circle is expanding every single Monday to include your dream. If you don't expand your circle, that dream will always be out of reach. And the moment we had that talk, um, the kids changed their entire perspective and they mm. couldn't wait for Mondays because they were actually feeling themselves getting closer to their goal and their dream. They understood the purpose of Grit Monday. And I think that that's what a lot of us as adults even are going through right now. Do you understand that all these, this horrific news that we're hearing every single day, all these challenges of understanding that our lives aren't as secure as that we, uh, that we thought they were. Um, that we do have a dark, shadowy force within our own nation working against our own well-being. These are all things that are expanding our circles if we allow them to. We can contract and, and, and create a smaller circle around us where we're immobile and paralyzed by the fear. Or we can actually expand as we hear this news, let it thicken our skin mm -hmm. and prepare us like boot camp does for the battle ahead of us, which is the battle to regain our sovereignty aligned aligned for and sure we're gonna take a brief break on grit monday and come back <laughs> <laughs> to explore how we can be, continue to be sovereign mentally emotionally physically spiritually on all levels of our being so that we can all rise to the invitation before us 
This is Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth, guest co-host Dr. Erica Way, and Mickey Willis, father, filmmaker, and visionary to inspire. At the School for Higher Consciousness, we are committed to raising the level of consciousness on the planet by educating and empowering people to grow, evolve, and live well. We are dedicated to supporting people through this critical time on the planet. Our classes provide a path that deeply connects you to your inner power and higher levels of consciousness. We inspire, teach, and empower people to develop the skills and practices needed to energetically heal, grow, and connect more fully to their life purpose. Learn more at schoolforhigherconsciousness.com, schoolforhigherconsciousness.com. Does your child struggle with sensory issues? Do they fight getting dressed in the morning, or are they anxious to go to school? Are they easily overwhelmed and overstimulated by lights and sounds? At Whole Family Chiropractic, we love helping parents understand why their child is struggling, and more importantly, how to help. We use safe, gentle, and effective neurologically-based chiropractic to help your child's brain feel calm, safe, and organized. For more info, visit sensoryhelpmn.com. That's sensoryhelpmn.com. I'm Elizabeth Sullivan, owner of Soma Soul Sovereignty. I teach people to transform and heal their bodies, minds, and spirits and manifest higher consciousness. My hope with Soma Soul Sovereignty is that you open up to the power to heal yourself. We believe the power to heal is within each of us. It supports us coming home to ourselves and our authenticity. The alchemy of Soma Yoga, Ayurveda, energy medicine, and multidimensional healing is a synergistic approach that supports this self-healing state within and around us. It is filled with common sense and a deep understanding of the beauty for life and consciousness. It reminds us that our true divine nature is light aligned with love, and when we orientate toward it, much releases, heals, and transforms. Experience the power and freedom within and ways to support your body, mind, and spirit being unified. Soma Soul Sovereignty, awaken to your light within. For more information, visit elizabethsullivan.love or somasoulsovereignty.com. That's somasoulsovereignty.com. Welcome back to Exploring Sovereignty with Elizabeth and guest co-host Dr. Erica Way with our delightful guest Mickey Willis, father and filmmaker of the Plandemic series one, two, and three. If you haven't watched it, give it a watch. Um, I was so impressed with your ability to digest all the information as you were interviewing people for those movies, Mickey. Um, it was quite impressive because it's a lot to digest, especially if you're coming on to the conversation at this point. So, well, thank you for it that. It takes a yeah, lot we, of grit. <laughs> that, that it does. Yeah, Plandemic 3, The Great Awakening, was, was uh, the biggest uh, beast that I've uh, ever tried to put together because it's, it's putting all the puzzle pieces together so people understand what's actually happening in, in America and beyond, what, mm-hmm. what's what's really happening at a at a micro social level and at a macro political level um, and how long this has been going on and what the end game goal is and so that one was uh, definitely a beast uh, to put together but um, as I the the reason that we went in that direction it was a departure from the other two films um, that were mostly about COVID this one is about the big picture Uh, the reason I chose to go in that direction was I was witnessing a lot of uh, people starting to share, wake up to really become like citizen journalists. 
mm-hmm. amazing. And, Thank you uh, to all the citizen journalists. Sh- for sure. You know, sharing all the media on their telegrams and all the encrypted apps. And um, But what I was noticing was it wasn't making the, the impact that it should be making. And the reason um, was that people were looking at, almost like looking at an individual puzzle piece. Mm-hmm. You can kind of make out what it is and it looks suspect and you put it aside and you remember it, but then you get another puzzle piece. And then you put that aside and, and you don't have the box to look at the photo to know what it is. <laughs> and so it's just a bunch of, you know, abstract. Yeah, it looks like grass and water, maybe sky, I'm sure. Not, you know. And so for me, it was let's 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 make the box. Let's Great. this is the big picture. Let's put all the puzzle pieces together. That you've all been sharing and show everyone this is what's really going on in, in your world so that we can you know, better prepare for it and to stop the stuff that we don't approve of and accelerate more the stuff that we do approve of. Agreed. Yeah, it was brilliant. Love the uh, puzzle Thank anatomy. You. I'm a huge puzzle fan. Same. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, um, with all of the insight that you've shared in terms of your journey to um, where you are now, uh, how do you see the collective coming together to heal the divisiveness moving forward? Well, I, I, first I would say be careful with the word collective. Um, Fair. Because but we, <laughs> we don't want to move back into a, a place of collectivism, which is the hive mentality, the group think. Um, we want to be... Uh, what makes a great relationship? I, I've been with my wife for almost 21 years and it just works really wonderful it, mostly because she's just an incredible human being um, but we realized early on you know I used to buy into way back in the day Jerry Maguire was one of my favorite films and that line you know you complete me was just oh you know that was just such a beautiful <laughs> line that got us but then later I realized it's probably not the most powerful way to look at a relationship because if you need someone else to complete you that means you're not complete right right and uh, and so you know my wife and I both work on being individually complete. So we don't really need each other. We choose each other every single day, every single moment. And that's what makes it work. Um, I have a very dear friend right now who's going through a struggle. And when I sat down with him just a couple of days ago to find out what's going on with you know, between his wife and himself, um, it came out that the thing holding them together was the property, the child, there was nothing, nothing bonding them by, by love, by just, I just want to be with her or he, she wants to be with me. It was just the, 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 oh, the burden of trying to, you know, divide up the, the property and the house and all that court stuff. And it's just easier to stay together. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's not the right reason to be together, you know? So, so I think be, becoming complete. So circling back to your question, just to, to first find that completeness within ourselves to stop looking for someone else to complete us is, is very important so that, because that is true. We're sovereign then. Mm-hmm. I don't need anyone, but I definitely choose very specific people to be in my life. And, and that's, that's when healing can begin. Um, and I'll share a little story about a healing that just took place. I, I, I speak in a different location just about every weekend and this past weekend was on a farm and it was a really beautiful event. And it mm. was hosted by one of my best friends. This friend um, 
did something um, in uh, 2021 that was shocking Mm -hmm. to me. Um, I was a journalist at the Capitol January 6th Hmm. and didn't go inside, but just reported from the outside and was targeted by the New York Times um, because they they don't appreciate that I pulled back the curtain on the COVID scam. Uh, The media has always been uh, very um, quick to attack me and to go after me and try every possible way to take me down. And they saw me there. They had a camera follow me around and they um, deceptively edited me into their insurrection reel to make it look as if I was part of the insurrection or even leading it. Wow. And Hmm. I wasn't even there for anything to do with Trump or anything. I was there to speak on a stage about health freedom. When the capital situation happened, we were about three blocks away and and we we just simply went over there um, to report on the situation. I actually went over there too because two of my camera operators were there and I just wanted to make sure they were both female. I wanted to make sure that they were okay. And that's the only reason I went there at all. Didn't go inside yet. Um, The news hit and all the people who were angry at me for for creating Plandemic Series were tagging the FBI and letting them know that I was a domestic terrorist. And there was a meme meme going around with my photo saying, meet the creator of Plandemic, domestic terrorist leading the insurrection at the Capitol on January 6th or whatever. All of it was just absolute BS. Um, and this friend who we share birthdays together, we've had parties together. He's was it and is today one of my most beloved friends was so pressured by his woke organization that he runs. It's a fairly large NGO. Um, he had donors threat, threatening to pull out. I was on the board of this organization. He was threatened that they would pull their funding out if he didn't distance himself from me. So he went out online without calling me and basically said, I have, you know, that he distanced himself from me and that I have, what I have done is inexcusable and horrible. Um, They believe the media. He didn't even call me to say, what is is the truth here? He knows me. He knows that I wouldn't be involved in anything like that. And, uh, but he, but there was so much pressure that he went ahead and released this and that the release of that actually did some damage because By this point, a year after Plandemic was released, a lot of people had discovered that uh, we were right and science was wrong. Mm -hmm. And so as we say, as our as our subtitle of the film, 100 percent debunked and uh, uh, zero percent debunked, 100 percent censored. And um, because to this date, no one has been able to prove one claim in all three of the pandemic movies to be inaccurate. They, they made the claim, but they've not been able to prove it. And I actually put out a financial challenge, $10,000 to anyone that could, that could bring proof to a false claim within one of my movies and everyone failed. No one could do it. Um, but uh, so this person puts this thing out and, and I call him and he picks up the phone crying. He felt horrible. Hmm. He said, I feel like the biggest ass ever. I can't believe. And I said, yeah, I said it actually caused damage because um, his name is Ryland and he's a wonderful human being. Um, and I said, you know, people didn't buy it. If you look at the comments, people were saying, oh, you want me to think that the guy that you said was wrong about COVID that turned out to be right. 
is now an insurrectionist. Like I, clearly, you guys are just trying to smear him. But then when the people that knew how close Ryland and I were, when they saw his post, they went, "Oh, I think Mickey Willis has gone to the dark side. This is shocking. Wow! If Ryland would say this, then I guess these reports must be true." Hmm. And so it did some damage, and I had to, um, you know, deal with the FBI and all kinds of stuff happened as a result of this. So it got really, it got really ugly. And um, this past weekend, Ryland invited me to speak at his event on a farm that his sister bought. And Ryland and I went up on stage, and he poured his heart out and told everyone the pressure that he was under, that there was no excuse. I mean, he owned it told everyone what he did and on stage together he made this incredible apology um and it was about our need to take ownership for the way that we've allowed our crooked media our crooked politicians to drive a wedge between us and the people that we love hmm. so it was really a calling for people and also for the people that are listening right now to let bygones be bygones. We know that we've been hurt by family members who wouldn't allow us to come on Christmas or Thanksgiving. I know people that were, are still dealing with the pain of their um, parents not even being willing to meet their new baby mm. because mm -hmm. they weren't vaccinated. Oh. And it's time for us to, to understand that we've all been bamboozled. We've all been divided. It is the old game of divide and conquer because truly united we stand and divided we fall. And that's the game that's happening right now because they want the people splintered into all these little isolated silos so that they can be easily, easily controlled. And when we're united, um, I, I, don't even, I won't even claim a political party anymore. Mm -hmm. yeah, me neither. My values align more with the conservative values because I'm you know, um, faith strong and family strong and, and freedom strong. Um, but I, I will never call myself a Republican. I might vote for one, but I will never call myself that. It's like we need to drop all these labels, all these yeah. divisive branding that are only there to have us see each other as different. And, and to really, if there's one team to join, it's team humanity. Right. Just realize that we are humans. We are all vital cells in the body of this thing we call life. Yep. And when we're fighting each other, we are diseased and we need to get over that and um, and come together. And that's what's happening right now. We are. There's people unifying everywhere and organizations popping up. And and as we mentioned earlier, people be becoming their own media source, doing their own research, learning very quickly when they share something that's not accurate. You get immediate feedback from from, <laughs> yes, from the people. It's like, <laughs> this is fake. Shame on you. And so they're learning to get better at it. And that's a really powerful thing that will keep us informed. Because when these things have happened in the past, when Mao Zedong has you know, performed his cultural revolution on 1.4 billion of his citizens, what they didn't have was the ability to communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the technology of the, uh, of the internet. They had one or one to three state-sponsored channels that all told them the same propaganda. They had no ability to know that there was an alternative reality out there. And that's why they all went along with the program. But today we, we can do this, what we're doing right now, sharing information and people are listening. And so that's why we have to keep the internet free. And above all, we have to keep our voices free and clear and loud. Agreed. You know, so what I heard you say then, if I'm circling back, is that instead of collective, it's community, or excuse me, humanity. 
right? That it, that that we team humanity, team humanity instead of w- wanting the collective, because I feel that's a very different um, resonance. Has, resonance, yeah, and community. Community is critical, right? Community so is how to, yes. How how do we form communities? Because we're we're hungry for it, and quite honestly, it's why I don't get angry at the people that are stuck in these collectives, because at the root of it is actually something beautiful. It's a desire to be connected. It's a mm-hmm. desire to be in community. People have been severed from that feeling of, of having that strong family unit, of um, being with people that, you, that love you for you, even if you disagree with them. Mm-hmm. And so having a real strong community, having people that you know you can confide in, um, if, if, if things go really bad, people that you can gather with to share resources, um, community is very, very important. Uh, we don't want to be isolated. Um, and so, but how do you, how do you function within communities without becoming a collective such that you all have to now share the same ideologies is, right. is the challenge. Well, and it speaks to your friends, um, coming up on stage and, and not your words, my words, but, uh, responsibility for behavior right for seeing your role in a situation and owning it right mm-hmm. we all have that and um and then it seems as though like a dear mentor of mine once told me we come here to experience what we're not so that mm-hmm. we can remember who we are divine spiritual beings having a human experience mm-hmm. i would agree with that 100 percent. agreed and I think as people start to awaken, you mentioned earlier that that hive mind and that hypnosis, everyone's going to have a different way that they awaken. And oftentimes it's healing our own inner wounds and traumas and facing our own fears that mm-hmm. allows us to sit in the discomfort and be on that edge of growth and remember our that divine light that emanates in every human and all sentient beings on the planet. But is there any thing you've seen in your studies or your own personal experience that helps people awaken from the hypnosis? That's a great question. Direct experience is the number one thing. And that is what a lot of people are having right now. So I always tell people, do, do less trying to convince people these days, because if they haven't seen it by now, they're trying not to. <laughs> and there's a real reason for that. Yeah. Right. So we have a society that has um, pushed people away from pursuing a meaningful life. So most people are just doing a job. They are essentially maintenance workers. They are maintaining the stuff, the necessities in their lives. But that thing they wanted to do as a child, that meaningful job, they knew that purpose that they had, they've kind of abandoned that. And the society has pushed them away from that. And so then when you can tell them, hey, just put on this mask and be part of this righteous tribe that is saving grandma and doing the right thing, suddenly they find that connection of meaning. Now they know, though they've been, so they've been told, that they are the, among the good ones. We are the good ones. We are. So they're really trying to do something good. So that shows that there's a primal intrinsic desire for humans to do something good and to be connected. Unfortunately, their connection is false, it's fragile, and it's founded upon 
um, something that is actually ultimately going to destroy their connection with others and themselves. And so how do we find healthy connections, um, healthy people to join with, healthy to come back to what, what is the purpose of our, our own adventure? What is your purpose? Have we forgotten that? Is there meaning in your world? Can, can we do, even on the smallest scale, you know, what are we doing? What are we contributing to society um, that is, is moving the needle, moving us forward? And, and the more we do that, and this situation that we're all living through right now has caused a lot of people, they've lost their jobs, they've realized that what they thought was meaningful isn't, and now they're stepping into a, a, a truer purpose. And that, that is the beginning of something wonderful. Because when people can be fulfilled inside, the hate goes away, the division goes away, the anger, the violence, all the stuff that we're watching people do to each other out there starts to go away. Because when we're leading a meaningful life, I don't have time for all the, all the trivial stuff out there. You know, I've, I got work to do. And so if, when we're all doing that work, and even if that work, I would say at the very least, if you're a parent out there, make that your children. Mm. Like stop dropping them off at a school and rolling the dice and hoping that they're going to be fine at the end of the year. They're probably not going to be. What they're learning at that school from, you know, these teachers who don't care, they're not getting paid enough to care, isn't what you can provide for them. So more time with our children, understanding if you really want to do something good and you want the world to improve, it can improve dramatically in the next 10 years if we raise all of our children in the next workforce, the next leadership, um, raise them with love and connectedness and without the, a lot of the voids that a lot of us have had to deal with. You know, we've had to deal with a lot of voids, lack of fathers being nurturing and present, whatever it might be. We've had to become, you know, in our adult age, we do workshops and whatever it takes to try to heal these, <laughs> to heal wounds, it. these wounds. But what if we just raised our children in a way that they were complete out of the gate, you know? And it's, it's easier said than done, but it, at least it should be the goal, I believe. Intention's everything. Yes, right. Intention is everything. Where can people um, find you, learn more about you? Well, you can find all of my movies for free at plandemicseries.com. Even my book is free. Just download it. It's yours. No hoops to jump through. I refuse to profit off the Plandemic brand because I believe this information was stolen from the people and I'm just returning it to the people. Um, and then there's a you can reach out through email there. If you put my name in the subject line, it'll go directly to me, and I'd love to hear from your listeners. And um, above all, thank you for having me and for caring enough about these conversations to spread them to other people. This is what we need more of. Thank you so much, Mickey Wellison. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Erica, for joining. Absolutely. And thank you to our community who is in conversation around exploring sovereignty. Continue. There are many pathways to becoming free. 